0: It's worth knowing what's really going on.
1: This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
2: Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check.
3: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
4: This is Access Atlanta, your weekly look at what's fun, entertaining, and educational in and around Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Every week, we're here to help you get ready for the weekend and bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people in arts, culture, food, and entertainment. Let's get started with a couple of events that are happening around town this week. After last year's public parades were canceled due to COVID-19 concerns, the world-famous Mardi Gras parades and celebrations returned to New Orleans this month. But you don't have to head down to the Big Easy to partake in the fun. NOLA.com is live-streaming their parade cam on their website until Fat Tuesday, March 1st. Furthermore, there are plenty of beads and bon to be had around Atlanta. We've put together a list of fun ways to celebrate the Mardi Gras season, and you can find that in this week's Go Guide in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Friday and online at accessatlanta.com. In 2018, Tyler Perry made a big splash by announcing he was retiring his signature character, Medea, after 20 years and 11 movies. But the craziness of 2020 changed his mindset. I just wanted to make something to make people laugh and take their minds off all the reality, Perry told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Rodney Ho in a recent interview. The result is a Medea homecoming, which is debuting worldwide on Netflix on Friday, February 25th. Read the rest of Rodney's interview on the Georgia Entertainment Scene blog at accessatlanta.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we'll hear from some professional wrestlers. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Ben Brash asserts that America's premier storyteller is the Black professional wrestler. They communicate quintessential stories through not only acting, but with their bodies performing amazing athletic feats. He talked to some of the industry's best African-American wrestlers about what it's like to be pioneers in their field and what they've brought to the art form. He's here to bring us those conversations. Welcome, Ben.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Shane.
4: So uh, this is a pretty fascinating thing. It's a part of our our Black History Month uh, coverage, of course, which you can find every day in the AJC and online at AJC.com. But, uh, you know, this, this one's a little bit unusual.
0: Ah, uh, indeed, it is. I will uh, have to admit now that I am a wrestling fan. Um, so that is a good part of how this came to be. And um I've uh, always uh, noticed the stories and the uh, the different perspectives that black wrestlers bring um to my uh, very nerdy corner of fandom. And uh, I thought it was very much worth highlighting, especially this month,
4: yeah, it's it's great to uh, to highlight something like that 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 it's still, probably fairly new, isn't it? I mean, for a long time, I think wrestling was pretty white.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Jim Mitchell back in the 30s helped break the color barrier, Bobo Brazil, Ernie Ladd, um, Coco Beware, all these incredible um, black athletes. Um, But as with a lot of popular culture and media, the stories of straight, able-bodied white men um, have been viewed to be the most profitable or the easiest to get on TV, and um, all those code words for uh, going along to get along. Yeah. Uh, so certainly, uh, recently, the the black voice has been amplified a ton in professional wrestling.
4: Yeah, that's great. It's it's you know it's nice to see diversity in in every corner. Um, and who, I, I mean, what are we going to hear here in these conversations?
0: Absolutely, yeah. You're going to hear from um, a couple of wrestlers with all Elite Wrestling, AEW. Um, you might be most familiar with WWE. Um, that's uh, you know Hulk Hogan and uh, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and and all that jazz. Um, uh, but this is this is another program um, on TNT. A throwback to the Attitude Era and the wars uh, between WWE and WCW. But uh, enough of again my nerdy uh, history lesson. You're going to be hearing from Nyla Rose, who is the second women's champion and uh, for AEW and the first out transgender wrestler, and she is fantastic, such a dominating force in the ring. You'll also hear from Mark Henry, who is nothing less than the world's strongest man. He uh, won that title uh, while he was uh, with WWE. He's an Olympic powerlifter. He is some kind of incredible. Um, He has done incredible things, pulled cars with his body, um, all that. He's now an announcer after um, a few decades uh, in in the uh, squared circle, as it were. Um, So you'll hear from Mark Henry and Nyla Rose, both incredible professionals.
4: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing us this, this conversation. And um is there anything else we should know before we uh, hear from the wrestlers themselves
0: uh just that if you think oh it isn't real professional wrestling's all made up um to that i would say look what's reality what does it matter who cares what's real or not sit back and have some fun watch people um with incredible incredible bodies do incredible things and enjoy the stories for what they are um and uh, yeah, try out some wrestling. If you need any suggestions, let me know.
4: All right. Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Shane. Appreciate the time. And now let's hear from the wrestlers.
0: Hey there, this is Ben Brash for the Access Atlanta podcast. And I have the esteemed pleasure of talking to Nyla Rose, the second ever women's champ of all elite wrestling, promotion's first black champ, and the industry's first out trans wrestler. She is 58 and 22 for her career, and she's a force to be reckoned with. Nyla, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for that amazing intro. I I didn't know where it was going. Like, she's 58. And I was like, whoa, whoa, where are you getting your facts from? But then it it went awesome. And I was like, okay, okay, we're good. We're getting somewhere good.
0: That is 58 wins. That's Um, right. uh, And yes, um, I'm sure the number and the age number feel like they can be the same after 58 wins. (laughs) You might feel 58.
3: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah um i i feel the same way um i uh just did uh back and buys yesterday so i am uh stiff um as well um which speaking of what are you what do you bench these days i don't know
3: i just i just put i just put weights on uh and and i go for it Dep- depends on who my opponent is like i like to uh match their weight to what I'm lifting. And then we go for it from there.
0: See if you can military press them. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm about a uh, two Reho's now. I
0: think I'm about yeah. two Reho's. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like half a Reho. The goal is to get to <laughs> one Reho uh, by, by the end of the year. Um, great. Um, so in, in general, I want to um, start off as we are in this important month. Um, what contributions do you think black wrestlers, and um, if you want to, Um, mark out even further um, specifically black wrestlers from the south have made on the industry
3: um tons uh like i don't even know that would be a whole separate podcast to probably cover all that um you know for for sure for sure tons Uh, i i preach it every day and in every uh facet every medium representation is important representation is key um there is a huge community huge demographic of black wrestling fans. Uh, so seeing performers that reflect yourself that brings a whole new audience to the table. Um, it invites them to feel comfortable in that space, whereas they may not have before whatever that may be be it an LGBT performer black performers, whatever the case, but we're, we're specifically discussing black performers now. So. Right off the bat, the evolution of wrestling and what it, where it's come from, you know, having these performers, these African-Americans, these Black performers, that opens up a whole new world, a whole new fan base, and that just brings more people into the wrestling community.
0: How would you explain to a non-wrestling audience, let's say they haven't um spent hours um sitting in front of a television uh watching people uh, in, in tight sweat over each other and flip around? Um h- how would you explain um th- the black experience in wrestling and, and um why it is so important? Um
3: I I would I would probably say first things first is definitely sit down and spend hours in front of the TV and watch some wrestling. Um, there, there've been numerous, countless characters, uh, throughout the history of wrestling, um, that, that resonate with people for one reason or another. And a lot of those personalities I feel have been, uh, black, you know, you had Virgil, there was a huge, uh, uh, I, I wanna say the word demographic, that's not the word I'm looking for, but a uh, uh, dynamic between you know, that character and the Million Dollar Man. Um, and a lot of those things, You know, we, we hint, we tease, we bring them, you know, uh, I don't wanna say make light, but you reflect a lot of society in your art, in your performances. So you could see a lot of the struggles that you know, were going on in society brought to the forefront. Uh, the Nation of Domination is another one. Um, you know, a whole faction, a whole stable that was based around the injustices African-American performers were were facing. Um, So a lot of those reflections of society exist in pro wrestling.
0: It doesn't make sense to divvy up like, how does being specifically Black inform this? And how does being trans inform this? And like, you're from DC, how does this? um, But in general, um, how do you think your collection of identities, as we all are, um, informs your viewpoint and, and your storytelling. I mean, uh, your indigenous background, right? Um, how do you um, put together this melting pot and output art?
3: Um, it, you know, on on one hand, I don't think it does uh, because wrestling is wrestling. You know, it 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 it's the universal language. It transcends. Uh, nations, races, uh, um, nationalities, like wrestling is wrestling. So on one hand, I, I don't necessarily think that the Venn diagram that is myself, <laughs> uh, uh, particular wrestling style is influenced by those things. But as you said, maybe the storytelling portion of things like certain things may we may want to um, relate to the audience through a match, this, that, or the other, uh, those things may, may uh, come to the forefront. Um, One particular instance I can think of is, um, uh, you know, back when the whole Black Lives Matter, the riots, you know, where where that whole started, Um, and I I don't want to make this such a down moment, um, but I, I took some moves out of my arsenal that I just felt were a little bit in poor taste uh, you know, certain like chokeholds, if you will, that I just felt were in poor taste given the social climate of things. And I still don't do them just because that's not a visual that I want to put out there because and that's just me being socially conscious, social uh, awareness of how that may affect other people. Yes. It's happening in a wrestling ring. It's very separated from the real life events, but you never know what's going to affect somebody. Right. So them seeing something of that visual nature may cause them to have a memory. And I don't wanna bring that, that uh, strife to anybody.
0: In, in wrestling, the, the Mount Rushmore, right? Who is your Mount Rushmore of this? Who's your Mount Rushmore of that? Who is your Mount Rushmore of black wrestlers?
3: All of them, there's no, there's no rules. There's no rules to Mount Rushmore. You didn't say how many people we can put on there. All of them, everybody. Um, if I have to narrow it down, if I have to narrow it down,
0: I would, it
4: on say, me.
3: <laughs> I would say uh, Miss Jacqueline, first and foremost, um, you know, when I first saw her, she was just fearless, strong, beautiful woman, reminded me so much of my mother. Um, so she goes up first and foremost, she's going to have the biggest uh, effigy, like she's going to be carved the biggest Miss Jacqueline, um, Ron Simmons, Farouk, for sure. Uh, You know, first African-American WCW champion, like phenomenal athlete, constantly reinventing, reinventing himself, um, just a phenomenal person. Um, Jeez. Bad News Brown. uh, You got to throw him up there. Um, You know, he was he was very uh, he's and this has been thrown around a lot, but he very much to me, at least to a lot of people was kind of the prototype, the blueprint for Steve Austin. You know, he was. Steve Austin before Steve Austin was Steve Austin. So, uh, he's got to go up there for sure. Um, and then if, if I can, I'm, I'm going to put the new day up there as a collective, like the three of them.
0: I, I accept that wholeheartedly um, bad, bad news. Brown is a, is an excellent choice. And so is Jacqueline Ron Simmons, you know, uh, I went to university of Florida, right. But he's an FSU guy, but star athlete, um, so funny and such a good mentor. Um, to young black wrestlers, I mean, it, it, he was the father figure of father figures,
3: <laughs> for sure. And and I, he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, regardless,
0: regardless. No argument here. No argument here. Um, so you, you mentioned Jacqueline reminds you of your mom. Tell me, tell me, um, uh, about your mom. How she informs your storytelling, your your upbringing, uh, your your art, who you are as a person.
3: Um, just you know, a strong black woman. You know, take no. Uh, you, what is it? Uh, do no harm, but take no. That's that's my mom. You know, you can you can say what you want about her. Do this, that, the other. Don't start something you're not gonna finish. <laughs> uh, she's a Virgo, so naturally, you know, insanely artistic. Uh, I I credit her for my artistic eye. Uh, any any sort of creativity bone in my body, that's her a hundred percent.
0: Sometimes it is like a hair for hair match, right? Yeah. Um, and and that is what it is but are there any other stories um that resonate with you like Virgil that um people may not think about where you go wow that that did something to me
3: oh wow um I I I would hold this up I'd have to really think about that but I but I'm sure there are I I you know I I still very much am a fan of pro wrestling uh, I like to take my work boots off, if you will, and just sit back and relax and just enjoy the show I grew up as grew up as a fan. I was a fan when I trained, I now am a professional wrestler former world champion and I still very much am a fan.
0: Yeah, um, it, you you mentioned nation domination I want to go back because I feel like that was such a seminal moment in uh, black wrestling. Um, and uh, so h- first, how would you describe nation domination for someone who hadn't seen any of their stuff? And what was it like seeing them on your TV? And, and about like, how old were you when, when that was going on? Oh,
3: geez. Um, if I had to guesstimate, I would say I was probably around 15, 16, uh, give or take, you know, seven years or so. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> give or take a few years, uh, about, about 15 or 16. Um, it was It was very mixed emotions, right? very mixed emotions because at the time they were being painted as the villains as, as the bad guys but a lot of what they were saying I'm like I can't boo these people like Farouk is making a lot of really good points right now so it was, it was a very mixed emotions like I knew what my job as a fan was you know was to boo the nation but I absolutely did not want to and in Looking back on it, I, I still don't want to, you know, it's uh they were the heroes in their own story, and their own story at that moment was fighting the oppression, fighting the injustices, and standing up for themselves, uh, taking the, as they say, the brass ring and running with it, um, making those opportunities for themselves. They found strength in numbers, and that is exactly what they did. And they they brought eyes and uh, uh, you know, they brought a lot of people into the fold into to the forefront and they probably opened up a lot of people's eyes, like I said, or like, wait a minute, I know, I know these are supposed to be the bad guys, but like, they're making some really big points right now. So they I'm I'm almost certain they shifted a few thoughts in the process.
0: Um, what, what else do you think people need to know about wrestling in general, um, because it, it, it seems to be a high bar people go, what, what is this thing? These are people flipping off tables and, um, you know, when people say, oh, it's fake, I say, what's real, right? What, what what do you, what do you know about reality and fake? (laughs) Um, How do you um, sell people on wrestling um, as an art form?
3: Uh, I just say, give it a shot. You know, like I I usually ask them if they like superhero movies or if they like action movies, you're going to say yes to one of those things. Who doesn't enjoy cinematic entertainment? This is live action of of that part of the movie. Um, You got people in fantastic costumes, bit of a fashion show. We have a runway as we strut to the ring. So you got a little bit of high fashion. Then you got people in there beating the crap out of each other. How boring is boxing? Did you just get in there and you just beat each other? For what? Give me a story behind that. You know, was was this guy's phone bill too high? Are they roommates? Did he not do the dishes? You don't get those answers, but you get that with pro wrestling. You get personalities larger than life. You get a reason why they're beating the snot out of each other. And who doesn't enjoy that?
0: You just cut a promo on us for wrestling. (laughs) Very meta, um, most appreciated.
3: but I'm serious. But I'm se- yeah. how many times online do you see a video of a fight? So world star, and people like, how did this start? How did-? no? Watch wrestling. You'll see exactly how it starts, and then it gets zany and bonkers. You're going to be entertained. There's something for everyone.
0: I think I think like uh, world star, but with a backstory is like the best. <laughs> uh pitch i can give someone i'm i'm now going to uh, attribute that to you whenever i wonderful I run with someone. that let me
3: know how that goes
0: thank you uh nyla thank you so much for your time uh, really appreciate it and um,
3: absolutely it was, it was a very fun conversation very fun
4: this is access atlanta i'm your host shane harrison we'll continue with ben Brash's interview with the wrestlers but first here's more of our list of things to do around metro atlanta Back at the beginning of the pandemic, the folks at the NPR news quiz show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me played to an empty house at the Fox Theater. It wasn't planned that way, but in those days we were still figuring out how to navigate this strange new world. Now Peter Sagel and his panel are returning to the Fox, and this time they'll be welcoming an audience. The show happens at 7.30 p.m. March 3rd, and tickets are $39.50 to $129.50 head to foxtheater.org to find out more about the show. Like the rest of the world, the music and art realm in Athens is vastly different today than it was in 1987. The little college town that punched far above its weight in the world of music was documented on film by director Tony Gayton and producer Bill Cody in the influential Athens GA Inside Out back in the 80s. The scene portrayed in that documentary has given way to a much more politically savvy, yet no less innovative community of creatives. In Red Turns to Blue, Athens Inside Out Part 2, Cody, along with director Tony Brazier and producer Dan Kelly, updates an overview of the scene. Check out our interview with producer Cody and Pylon's Vanessa Briscoe Hay in the Living section in the February 22nd edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and read it online at accessatlanta.com. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
2: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
4: The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with Ben Brash and the wrestlers.
0: Hey there, this is Ben Brash for the Access Atlanta podcast. And I have the extreme pleasure of talking to Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, the fourth ever black WWE champion, and currently an announcer with All Elite Wrestling, um, who says that he is a little more in the tank. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Man, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. In general, uh, what contributions do you think Black wrestlers like yourself have made to the art form?
1: You know, I think that uh, flavor and flair and flamboyance and uh, athleticism that was not seen in pro wrestling uh, in the in the first 50 years outside of uh, a wrestler named Jim Mitchell, um, who would be in my in, in my Mount Rushmore of of wrestlers, but what what did the African American uh, add? Um, you know, I I, I feel like the, there's been a whole lot of, especially the you know, the world of wrestling in the you know before the '40s uh, was just really mat wrestling, and it it wasn't as flamboyant as it is now. Uh, a gorgeous George or Ric Flair uh, would not have existed if there wasn't, um, you know, people like Bobo Brazil and Jim Mitchell, uh, the Luther Lenzies, and um, you know, guys, Sweet Daddy Siki, you know, guys that they added such flamboyance and 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 such a great uh, skill set, so. I think that the business today exemplifies what those guys have added to the business more than ever.
0: So it's the, um, and it's not just the athleticism, it's the, like you said, the, the way they go about it, the, the, you know, again, of unintended flair, right. That they.
1: uh, The style of dress, the, 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 um, the arrogance and pompousness, the, I mean, there was there was. uh, You look at you know the Bobo Brazil and Sweet Daddy Siki, who Dusty Rose said that you know if it wasn't for Sweet Daddy Siki, um, he thought wrestling was boring. And you know I'm sure that as Dusty, uh, as a teen was watching wrestling, and seeing this, uh, he saw man that's that's what I want to be. Just like me as a little kid watching wrestling, watching um, Ernie Ladd, you know, like it, it was, you know, I can't I, man. I, I just love wrestling, you know, it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't a color thing, <clears throat> but it always helps to have representation. And uh, you're in Atlanta, so you understand, like, You you just want to be revered and looked at as a man and as somebody that's an equal partner in the development of uh, whatever facet or whatever business you're in.
0: What do you think um, is exemplified exemplified through your storytelling and other Black wrestlers' storytelling that you go, oh, I see that as us? I see that as uniquely
1: coming from us. Well, I mean, Wrestling is such a um, is such a skillful business that um, if if you if you understand psychology, you have to start at the Bible, uh, good and evil. You know that's the template for pro wrestling. Um, then it gets complicated. Then it gets big versus small. Then it gets fast versus slow. Then, you know, you, you get smart, uh, educated versus the, um, the ignorant, the, uh, the non-educated. Like there's so many stories naturally that can be told. Um, I can tell a story with a guy by him not being flexible. And our guy being strong, he's too strong for me to do that. Or like I put somebody in a position where um, their success is based on one of my limitations. And uh, when you add the psychology element into pro wrestling and how to get to the end, with making everybody go on an emotional ride. You know, you want in in that minute, whether it's a 10-minute match or an hour match, you want to make people happy. You want to make people frustrated. You want to make them sad. You want them to have hope and feel like, my guy is going to make a comeback, and, oh, my God, here he comes, and then they pulled the rug out from under him. and now everybody's like, Oh God, you know, he's back into the peril. Like you, you do a full length action movie every match. And it's a very skillful artful thing to tell a story without using words by using action. And, um, I've grown to have a lot of respect for storytellers and directors and uh, and writers uh, because that's what I feel like has been one of my strong suits is the storytelling, and I I didn't invent that. I took that from the past and and made that mine, and I think that's one of the things that. Uh, the plight of the African-American has done uh, to the pro wrestling world.
0: In the thought of storytelling, I think any Black wrestler I would talk to, any wrestling fan would say a huge moment in the timeline of this is the nation of domination. And so as you reflect upon that, what what kind of impact do you think that had on wrestling as a whole and um, Black wrestlers and Black wrestling fans?
1: I think that um, the nation started off as more of a militant type of a um, separatist unit. And it evolved into, we're just better than you. We just didn't get the opportunity like you did. And then it evolved into a power struggle the story of the power struggle between the old leader and the guy that feels like he should be the leader because he was flamboyant and brash and glib. Um, And then the separation of the unit and the disbandment of the unit. And all of these stories were told over about a five year period, four year period. It wasn't very fast. And when the band broke up to speak, um, everybody had individual success. That's how good everybody was. So you realize that um, Ron Simmons was not just great. He was beyond great. And that The Rock, was not just great. He was beyond great. And myself and the Godfather and D'Lo, everybody that left the nation had success individually and were um, champions of some sort um, used in a main event capacity. I mean, the Godfather was not, uh, world champion but there's not one wrestler that watched in the late 80s or in the in the in the 90s that didn't um that didn't scream light up a fatty for this pimp daddy come aboard the whole train like everybody did it you you just did the, the thing like everybody had an identity and That was that's that's kind of what the nation is going to be remembered for is uh, long, long time storytelling. A lot of different stories told. A lot, all the guys being successful individually and. the, The vastness of where everybody went. Everybody went such different directions and did unbelievable things. I mean, you know, the whole sexual chocolate thing and D Lo uh, being one of the most versatile wrestlers in the world at that time. Um, you know, the head shaking, like all, I mean, you, you'd be hard to miss um greatness if you if you didn't watch the attitude.
0: Um, who who is on your round, Mount
1: Rushmore of uh, black wrestlers? Most people have the top four, the the Mount Rushmore, and then they have the guy that's the flex that's right at the end. So I, I'll I'll start at the flex, and um, the 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 flex guy um, was Sailor Art Thomas because Sailor Art Thomas. Um, not only was he a, a, a imposing athletic guy that had a lot of success, um, Sailor Thomas was a guy that told promoters and bookers, hey, I'm, I'm not going to come in here and do tarred and feathered. I'm not going to play a slave. I'm not going to do this. If you got a guy over there that can whoop my ass, then I'll do whatever you want me to do but nobody's going to whoop me. And and, uh, if I do business with you, it's because I am doing business with you and you're going to pay me. He was, he was, there was nobody that was like that, you know, during that time. Um, And then next would be Ernie Ladd. Uh, Ernie Ladd, not only was he an unbelievable wrestler and a great storyteller, um but the moniker that he used was i I cover the ground I walk on, and he was the biggest guy, I mean, I mean six, seven, six, eight, you know, three hundred and something plus pounds, but he also was educated man. he was really smart, he was the booker, and he handled the money, and no black wrestler uh had done that before, and it took up until the middle eighties, early nineties before there was another black person that was able to do that. So um, Ernie Ladd was the first one. Ron Simmons, um, the, the first black champion, uh, Ron Simmons benefited from having an Ernie Ladd uh, to, to prove that the African-American, uh, could, could could run the league could be the champion it was like the uh the equivalent of the first black quarterback in the NFL you know it was that moment for um, for pro wrestling for people of color and then there was you know everybody will say that um you could flip a coin who could be number one who could be number two? And in my, on my page, uh, Jim Mitchell is number two, the original Black Panther. Um, a lot of people don't know about Jim Mitchell because he was suppressed because the victor gets to tell the story. And WWWF was the victor. So they were allowed to say that Bobo Brazil was the first wrestler, black wrestler to break the color line. Bobo Brazil was not the first black wrestler to break the color line. He was the second guy. Um, the first guy was Jim Mitchell. He was a, a military man. Um, he rose to prominence um, and was a, was a champion in Memphis. And was able to travel the world, wrestled in Australia and Europe and Canada, and had an unbelievable historical match with a white wrestler, and that white wrestler was Gorgeous George. And they they filled the stadium. They filled the stadium in Los Angeles um, for the, you know with plus 30,000 people Um, during that time. I mean, it's hard to do that today and imagine how hard that must have been then. Uh, And, and then of course, number one, the most popular entertainer in the world and the most successful entertainer in the world, and probably the most articulate, the most flamboyant, um, the most electrifying pro wrestler in history, and that was The Rock. And so The Rock, Jim Mitchell, Ron Simmons, Ernie Ladd, and Saylor Thomas. But you know, like it's it's so subjective. Once you get to Saylor Thomas and Luke Balenzi mm-hmm. and Booker T and Bearcat Wright and JYD and um, Kofi Kingston and Abdullah the Butcher and Kamala and Bad News Brown like Rocky Johnson, myself, Tony Atlas, Coco B, Butch Reed like it, the the Sweet Daddy Sikis and Thunderbolt Pattersons like. There's probably about fifty guys.
0: I as a hip hop fan, I need to know how did you get Three Six Mafia? How did you get that to be your music? How did that happen?
1: You know, that was Jim Johnson. Uh, Jim Johnson, uh, they had just won an Oscar um, with the Hustle and Flow movie and was really, really popular. Uh, They had a connection with those guys, uh, called them and asked them would they be interested, and they were big wrestling fans. And um, I was able to have a conversation with Juicy J and, and... Explain to them like who I was and my story growing up, and um, they they took that man and came up with that song. And uh, a lot of people say it's their favorite wrestling music. Um, I, I I loved it uh, from the minute that I that I heard it, um, and and it's one of those that you can you can turn on in the gym and work out. Uh, you can freestyle to the track, whatever you want to do. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty damn impressive uh, pro wrestling thing.
0: Mr. Henry, if you think I haven't squatted that song, you were kidding yourself. Now, um, it might be one one hundredth of what you were squatting, um, but I, I, I use it as a hype song. Um, and so I can't imagine how hype it got, you got, uh, got for you. Um, sir, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate uh, your time and uh, your contribution to this conversation in general. Uh, I am so happy we could get you on the record about this, uh, very important topic. And uh, one I hey know- Hey man,
1: I, I really appreciate you uh, even doing uh, this list because people, you know, I never really, <clears throat> I never got into the list, but like, you know, I went through over 200 African-American wrestlers throughout history. And look at all the lines going back and forth, and um, like the um, if you can find the the, um, me and Dave Lagreca on busted open, and hear the episode that we did about the history of the African American wrestler, you you'll be you'll learn so much because uh, it took like I said it took me almost four years to be able to do all this. Well, and,
0: I yeah, I can't wait to hear it, and I'm uh, I'm gonna go ask Keith right now where he thinks he should be on the list. <laughs> Do that. I want to know. I'm gonna get you some heat off it. Don't worry, Mark. Um, I want to know. Keith Keith is on the list. Oh, good, good. Well, I'm I'm sure you might think you should be a little bit higher up. Um, but I'm gonna talk to him right now, Mr. Henry. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time.
4: The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AccessAtlanta.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. The Alliance Theater's Tony Stone, a co-production with Milwaukee Repertory Theatre, tells the overlooked story of Stone, the first woman to play baseball in the male-dominated Negro Leagues of the 1940s and 50s. The show primarily unfolds in 1953 when she joined the Indianapolis Clowns to take over second base from none other than Hank Aaron. Our theater critic, Burt Osborne, calls it an amazing true story thrillingly realized. The show continues through February 27th at the Alliance Theater at the Woodruff Arts Center in Midtown. Tickets are $25 to $78. Check out the full review online at accessatlanta.com and ajc.com. Our world has changed dramatically in the two years since we all learned the words coronavirus and COVID-19, so it seemed like a good time to take a look at how our lives are now. We asked photographer Ben Gray to document some of the ways our daily lives have been transformed by the pandemic, things that seem completely normal now, yet were unheard of just two years ago. You'll find his photo essay in this week's Sunday Arts and Living section in the Atlanta Journal Constitution and online at ajc.com. If you're listening to this podcast on ajc.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AccessAtlanta.com and ajc.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Ewan, and I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.
2: Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet